This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Ah, yes, a good Friday morning to one and all. It is uh, Taz of the Most with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. We've got Mike and Pete across the way. Andrew Bogus. he's got double duty this morning. He's doing updates. He's filling in for the the under-the-weather Taz, who's off here on this Friday morning. Hopefully he feels better. Back with us on Monday as we take you for the next three hours right here on until uh, 9 a.m. Eastern time as we come to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Who understands that it's not just a mortgage? It's your mortgage, of course. That's the difference. Rocket Mortgage. Push button. Get mortgage. What's going on, Bogus? How you doing, man? Is Taz okay? Have we heard from Taz? I have Has not. Been a just tweet? got the email from uh, Marinick that he was out sick today. Hopefully he feels better. No I, I, I was told many times in this room, Moose, that there are no sick days. There are no off days. The grind. The grind continues. And it's not December yet, so where you'd think he'd be here. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Well, Taz's grind today is, is, uh, is home. So uh, hopefully he feels better. And hopefully, uh, I don't know what, uh, uh, what ails him, but hopefully he's back with us on Monday morning. You know, our, our good friend Amy Lawrence, who precedes us on many of these same CBS Sports Radio stations, Correct. Uh, had a lengthy bout with uh, walking pneumonia. Yes, which she, she discussed brought it on into the, the studios. Yeah, yes, that is, that is, is the, fantastic. That is the side story. So I wonder if Taz has become the first person to fall prey to those God, I hope germs. Not. I mean, I hope not. I mean, you guys do basically set fire to the studio when you come in every morning to uh, burn away yeah, all the day's like to... germs. Correct. You're right about that. Uh, but I sit in the same seat that she did, so I think if someone was going to get pneumonia, it would have been me, not True. Taz. But, I mean, I, God, I hope he doesn't have walking pneumonia. I'm sure he doesn't. I mean, I don't know. Yes, I was a little under weather. Had a little. I thought it was getting out a little bit of the cold. I think it's just allergies uh, setting in. I don't know what. I don't know what the reason is. I have a little bit of a fall pollen. Yeah, allergy. no, I'm with you. Like the last two weeks, like off and on, like every third day, I wake up and I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird. Am I like, what's that? Yeah, I was having headaches, and, a lot of phlegm, but you know, a lot of mucus. Yesterday we were having a conversation really off the air attractive. that like we are all um, like collectively more tired than usual. And it's our one complaint, the morning shifters here. It's like, yeah. I mean, we're up early. These are long days and we're not doing hard labor, so we know how lucky we are. But it can get a little taxing getting up at 3 a.m. over and over and over and over and over again. But people were saying how they're more tired than usual. And there's a lot of construction going on in the building I'm wondering if there's Maybe just like it's asbestos. Nah, I don't know if it's that serious. Knock on wood, but there could be some like dust and stuff floating around that's uh, clogging that. nostrils and making you feel a little, you know, a little sleepy. I you don't might know. be right about that. I don't if you know. Call OSHA in here, have some uh, air quality tests. I don't know. It could just be my three kids. That's true that's too. Very tired. <laughs> and your 17 jobs. Yes, thank yeah. you for pointing that out. Is what you love to do, or what former giant I'll be working with this weekend? Um, Wait, is that a question? Or uh, <laughs> <laughs> no? This weekend I'm actually off. So, whoa, whoa, yes. whoa. No, I got Rutgers. Rutgers, Indiana tomorrow. Oh, so that's not off. No, that's not off. No. But no show Sunday due to the London game. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. And the Giants playing last night. Correct. So. Yes. So. And you know, I was so mad last week because the only reason why there should be a London game is that for us here on the East Coast, we get morning football. Yeah. 
And there wasn't one last week. And right, because it started at 1 o'clock. But this week, there is one. Right. And, then and I'm think, not going to be home to enjoy it. And I think week 8, I think, is the next one. I think week. Uh, I think they come back week 8 is another one at 9.30 in the morning, okay. I believe. Um, but yes, last night we got the Giants. And, and I got a story for you I'll get into personally a little bit later on this hour, which is, uh, I'll tell you about home ownership here, uh, oh, which is an absolute disaster. But anyway... <laughs> Last night, the Giants go into Foxborough as the line was anywhere from 16.5 to 17.5. I think it might have dropped below uh, the 17 number right around kickoff because of the uh, wind conditions. We did not get rain. There was a 50% chance of rain for the last couple days going into the Thursday night affair. You got no uh, inclement weather, but you did get a fair amount of wind, which affected the play and certainly affected the kicking game. Uh, for both the Patriots and the Giants. But, you know, don't no fear if you're a Pat fan. They won, and they were expected to win. They expected to dominate. They did not dominate, though, as they win the game 35-14. You're going to say, well, how the hell did they not dominate when they win the game by 21 points? Because, you know, really, you look at it, uh, you know, with about four minutes to go in the first half, this game was tied up at, at, at 14 apiece. As the Pats led 14 to nothing, then you get the pass from Daniel Jones to Golden Tate for the touchdown that makes it 14-7. Ensuing Patriots possession, Sack, fumble, recover, picked up by Golden of the Giants, returned to the house for a score. Gordon, uh, Josh Gordon gets injured trying to tackle Golden. Patriots drive down, score a touchdown with under you know 30 seconds left in the first half. Uh, lead 21-14, but at one point in time, you look at it, I mean, you know, toward the tail end of the third quarter of Bogus, even though I never really got the sense the Giants were going to win this game, um, the Giants kept this relatively close and competitive for a large portion of the Thursday night affair. It wasn't a crisply played game. The wind certainly played a factor in it. Uh, I'm not telling you that it was one there where you say to yourself, you learned a lot about the New England Patriots last night. I don't think you really learned no. all that much. But uh, I give the Giants credit because they played a lot more competitive game. In a 21-point loss, the Giants played a lot more competitive game than I ever thought they would. Yeah, and you know what? It's it's You're... My first inclination as a New Yorker watching them play is all the things that they continue to not do well. You know, they still have issues on third down. There are a lot of missed tackles um, that help the Pats get to first downs. But, yeah, all things considered, that game shouldn't have been close. Bad weather, good weather, um, it shouldn't have been that way. But they hung around, and the Pats didn't play well. And I think the the thing that I always learned Friday morning is that Thursday night football is a dumb idea. Uh, And I I just think so much of the sloppiness, so much of – the team's not playing up to their normal standards. Uh, and and I may be oversimplifying it, over, overemphasizing it, but so much of it just connects back to these guys aren't ready to play on Thursday. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, and that's, to me, why the Patriots weren't the normal Patriots. You throw the wind in there as well. And the Giants made a couple of plays here and there um, that, that kept this close. But, yeah, I was prepared for this game to be done at halftime. And even when it got to the end of the first quarter and the punt block gets to a touchdown, I go, okay, well, here we go. This one's over. Right. This is that. That was that was thirteen good minutes of Giants equal and footing that's all football. You're get. Uh, but but it was a, a one score game mid fourth quarter somehow last night. Right. And and you're right about the ills of the Giants. You can look at the the talent at, at specifically the linebacker spot, the missed tackles last night. You can get to Daniel Jones and the interceptions, which we will momentarily hear. The other thing that you know hit me is. You know, listen, we know how good, you know, that Patriot defense is, right? And, you know, they're they're right there, and they are at the top of the National Football League in most defensive rankings. And they are a really, really good defense, and we know they're well coached by Belichick and Mayo. Offensively, though, Andrew, I would say this. 
You know, I'd be a little concerned here, and I'm not. I'm not. It, it's not. You know, uh, run around like my head's on fire saying the Patriots are over. I've never done that in my life. When other when other you know talk show hosts have, I've never said the Patriot run is over or here come. You know, I'd be overly concerned. I'm not overly concerned, but I would say this: there are throws last night that Brady used to make in his sleep that Brady is now missing. Um, where he used to put guy put the ball right on the numbers of guys. And I'm not saying he wasn't under duress the entire night. He really wasn't. I mean, there were times that he was sitting back there and he basically had to, you know, uh, five, six, seven, eight seconds to be able to throw the football. But there were times where, when whether it be coming out of the backfield, you know, and everything for the most part seems to be within 12 yards of the lineman scrimmage when the Patriots are throwing the football. It's not exactly like they're airing it out and throwing the ball deep. It's this precise, quick passing game. But Brady last night is missing, even though he throws for well over 350 yards, and I understand he only had a 10 incompletions on the night, but all those 10 incompletions, about eight of them were really bad throws. Yeah, there were a couple where like, it's in the air, I'm like, oh, that's a first down, and then all of a sudden it just didn't get to the guy, and it was over his head or, or short it's like or... way out of bounds, yeah. and I'm like, wait a second, that is, and, and it's not that, listen, they win the game, and he'll, I'm sure he'll get better as the game goes along, but I'm watching that game, I'm like, wait, that's a throw Brady usually makes 9.9 times out of 10, and I've, I saw him miss it now you know, a couple of times last night throughout the course of the early part of the regular season. You know, It's not exactly like that Patriot. As good as that uh, Patriot defense is, I would tell you, I don't know how healthy that Patriot offense is. Yeah, I think they're, the issue we saw last night, that's a real issue for them moving forward. It's an issue for almost every single team is you know, they're susceptible to pressure. And, you know, he's still, he may say he feels the best he's ever felt at 42, which just seems physically impossible, by the way. Um, But (laughs) he's got to be a half step slower getting away from stuff like that. And I think, you know, they don't know who their kicker still is. Uh, Mike Nugent missed a kick last night. Now the laces were in. That might not be his fault that he missed that one. Uh, But, you know, that's obviously no one they're going to bring in now, whether it's him or somebody else um, after this little mini tryout, it's going to be Goskowski. And this is where... This is where we are with them breaking them down. It's all nitpicking. I mean, everything that we're going to talk about this morning, at least from my vantage point, still comes with the caveat that they're the best team in the AFC. Yeah, I would and, agree with that. And but, the team that you trust the most in a right. big-time spot. I and agree with especially that. Especially as they're now 6-0 and and the Chiefs have taken a loss, so now they're playing from behind in terms of home field. And I would certainly, even though last year didn't go their way, but it almost did, if they're going to play in the postseason and you don't want the Patriots to win, you'd want that game to be at Arrowhead, not Foxborough. But right now, all those games would be at Foxborough. So all that be put aside, you know, when you're looking for places where they might not get to the very end of the season and the, and the, and the title is a missed field goal in a tight playoff game or the a sack at the worst possible time in the fourth quarter. And those are the things that are on the table if you're looking for weaknesses right now and what they're what they're doing on offense. Yeah, and listen, it, it's not – I, I was just pointing watching a game in which I said maybe that's a, a little bit of a sign of age. It's not a case where I all of a sudden think Brady's going to lose it as this season does go along or that you should be overly alarmed by it. But I, I would say offensively they're not nearly as dynamic or exact. And – Listen, the Patriots don't believe in having to be that, you know, at the beginning of the year, right? Their whole goal is, and their mantra as a staff is, let's figure out what we are out as a team through the first eight games of the regular season, and uh, then we'll start to peak and crescendo and get better and better, you know, starting around Thanksgiving, um, you know, and, and then obviously peak in the postseason. They're hoping to win another championship and bring in another Vince Lombardi trophy up there, the Robert Kraft, um, and for that Patriot organization. So, 
I, I believe they'll get better as it goes along. Uh, but you have the understanding now watching that game. They do miss Gronkowski. I mean, and you have Robert Kraft on before the game basically saying, Rob, you know, Gronkowski obviously a part of that Fox pregame show now in Midtown, Midtown Manhattan, which makes little to no sense outside the Fox studios. Well, that's I, for Strahan, right? It, well, yes, I know it's for Strahan. I get it. But, I mean, I, I, I don't need – I guess my point is is that for the Thursday night game, I, I, I don't necessarily need to have, you know, them doing the pregame. It's a, it's a bad pregame show. I, I think Strahan as an analyst is pretty good. I think he can give you a good job. Uh, Strahan leading the way, regardless right. of what he does on Good Morning America, and I understand that, but – I, I, he does nothing for me. And then there's too many guys. Now you throw Gronkowski into the mix. Right. I mean, how many guys do you need on a pregame show? That's, Five? And that's how much, how long? I mean, don't they, go on the, it, they go on the air at eight, don't they? Yeah. For an 820 kickoff? Yeah, right. Yeah, it's I mean, the, give me Kurt Menefee and somebody on the field and we'll right. be done with that's, it. That's all I need. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need five guys no. on a mock field on the cement and concrete in Midtown Manhattan. Yeah, off site. Breaking down Patriots Giants Ugh. as some guys walking or by eating a New York City pretzel. <laughs> I mean, I really don't. There's no idea the Patriots. The no. Giants are playing that night. They're like, who's that? Is that Gronk? And then, and then Gronkowski's out there, and he's now part of that broadcast. And I bring up Robert Kraft because Gronk hasn't fired his, filed his retirement papers. He's out there promoting you know, the CBD oil for pain treatment all over the place. Right. And, and Kraft is basically telling people he hopes and prays that Gronkowski returns to the team. Well, and then Gronkowski said that it's always in his head to play again. He would have to take a lot from him to get back there. But he's leaving the door open here as well. And I don't know how long the CBD stuff how it takes to get out of your system. I have no idea. So I don't know if he'll have like a Ben Watson thing if he was to come back and then immediately fail a drug test. Because I guarantee he they will cut him yeah, like but, they did Ben Watson. <laughs> but first I see the Kraft comments. Then I see that that Gronkowski just happens to double down like two hours later basically on the same thing. It's coming, Moose. Oh, I, it's I, happening. Listen, I would not be surprised. It wouldn't be surprising. But he, he left the door open when he initially stepped away. Yeah, but you know, this was... I, I, but Did he not? He he's never right. I mean, he's never said I'm, I'm not done. playing again. He's never put his paperwork in. Apparently, according to the page, which is not necessarily the biggest alarm. What what spooked me is the two of them talking about it on the same day. Yeah, that's yesterday, fair. and I don't even know. I, I'm not saying that this has always been the plan. Like I'm going to step away and come back mid season, and they've been just kind of blowing smoke this whole time. Um, but maybe he just naturally was like. Man, I miss playing. Man, I feel pretty good right now. I probably could survive the back half of a season and a couple of playoff games. So I thought we would get this entire season out of the way before we really had to consider him coming back. But maybe now there's a little bit of an opening in my mind that he plays at some point this year. Yeah, I don't think I ever made a prediction. Don't worry, Bisegli. You don't have to be searching for a memory lane here. So whether or not Gronk was going to be playing <laughs> this year or not. But, I mean, you know, I... You know, I, I I always thought, it, and I guess internally, I always thought at some point in time maybe Gronk would give it a go again. Uh, you know, he's a young guy. You know, he needed a little bit of time away. His body is taking an absolute beating. You know, he's had multiple back surgeries, right? The torn ACL, the elbow issue. He talked about the deep thigh bruise, right, that he suffered last year in the Super Bowl, you know, which caused internal bleeding. Um, and he could barely walk and celebrate and was up at, you know, couldn't sleep the night that they won the game. And couldn't enjoy it, couldn't celebrate it. So he looks great. You know, he's trimmed down significantly from his playing weight. Uh, I mean, it looks like at the very least 20 or 25 pounds. So I'm sure you'd have to add on some weight before he gets back on the field. But you know, the Pats could certainly use him 
I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, you know, as a blocker, Izzo leaves you wanting. You saw him getting blown up left and right last night during the course of the game. Uh, against a giant defensive front, it's not like it's the old Philadelphia Eagles with Clyde Simmons, Jerome Brown, and Reggie White uh, that he's going up against last night when you look at that giant defensive front. So, you know, it wouldn't be all that surprising. I agree with you. I think where there's smoke, there's a little bit of fire. And the fact that you have the owner and Gronk referencing it on the same day. On the same day. Yeah, I would imagine that, you know, if the, that if he's going to come back, it'll be with the Patriots, obviously. And I would imagine he's a football player and he's watching this team and they've got a shot to win another Super Bowl. And if he can limit the hits on his body and come back and play at a high level, return to the tight end position and be that weapon for Tom Brady. Yeah, I would I would I would think that Gronkowski is going to return at some point this year. Great. Just what they need. Well, but I mean, <laughs> well, what do you expect? I mean, you know, what do you expect? I, I, I will say, you know, maybe some of those throws that uh, that Brady was missing last night go away, but you never closed the door on Gronk. He didn't close the door. It was always the guy that's out there thinking, well, yes, the Antonio Brown thing blew up in their face, but there's always Gronkowski that can return to this team. Yeah. And when, Not to mention Henry, the talented wide receiver that's gonna, that's on IR but slated to return as well. Right. I didn't, I didn't notice last night. Did the, did the other tight end come back into the game? He barely played, and they did an injury update to him, Lacoste. I don't know. If I don't know. I don't remember seeing him come back in the game. Which you mean only they have only one tight end healthy right, at ben the Watson's moment. Right, probably giving him the middle finger right now. <laughs> or a very sweet voicemail. Or, hey, right. guys, just one you know, there's no the hard other. feelings. Hey, guys, I'm available. Watch. Yeah. Ben Watson will be back. Just, I did not see Lacoste. What I did see was Izzo can't block. No. Uh, that's one thing I did see last night. He might be a, you know, a talented receiving threat for them. They don't make great use of him, but he was getting blown up at the line. When they were trying to run the football down the Giants' throats, yeah. Izzo can't block. That's another thing. The run game to me, there was a lot of uh, a handful of angsty tweets about Sony Michelle last night. And surprisingly, I didn't write one of them because he isn't one of my many, too many fantasy teams. Um, they have a weird way, and you've, we've seen this for years now. They find the one guy that has a good game every game. Sometimes it's James White. Last night, you know, Bolden was in the involved a little bit. Sometimes it's Michelle. I'd prefer if it was if you had, if there if you knew that there was one kind of regular guy who was always going to be there. But there's a little bit too much inconsistency on the ground for them. Like they figure they get it done. They do. But it being a different guy every week, at least in my mind, leaves open the possibility that maybe. It's never going to, it's not anybody on one particular day, and they can't run, which they need to do to set up what they want to do, throwing the ball down the field. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it, it's fair, but when they, I feel like whenever they need to run the football on third and short, they're able to run. Right. It. And the, or they just, they dump it off, and then James White right, makes, makes, breaks three and tackles, a hell of a and you player. got a first down. Yeah, and White's a hell of a player. I mean, that four-headed monster for what they're able to do with the running back spot, Burkhead was not available last night, but yeah. Burkhead um, with White, with Sony Michelle. Uh, and with Bolden, those four guys can do a lot of things uh, well for you offensively and give you a little bit of a different attribute, you know, athletically, where you can give up a little bit of a different look. I mean, James White's a winning player. You saw that in that 28-3 comeback and what he was able to do for that team offensively, where you say, oh, this is going to be James White's team. And what are they doing the very next draft? They're drafting Sony Michelle in the right. first round coming out of Georgia. <laughs> I mean, so, but, I mean, it works. I mean, it works. So, the Patriots, they do what, well, what do you expect them to do last night? They take care of business against the Giants. 35-14, the final. I want to hear from you. 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. Malusis and Bogish. Taz is out sick. We got NFL picks. We got college picks. Russell Baxter will join us top of the second hour this morning at 7 a.m. Eastern time. 
We'll react to Danny Dimes. We'll get into all the baseball. NLCS gets going tonight. ALCS gets going on Saturday night. A lot to chat about in your calls as well. It's Taz and the Moose on an action-packed Friday morning. CBS Sports Radio. Give Taz and the Moose a call. 855-212-4CBS. That's 855-212-4227. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. All right, CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line of 855-212-4227 is brought to you by Geico. Mark it down, Velotti. Great news. There's a quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on your car insurance. Before we got to the Bogus update, you're going to be hearing a lot of Andrew Bogus here on this Friday morning as he sits in with me uh, as Taz is out sick and he's got your updates. Uh, the one thing is, is I'm not going to overreact to one way or the other about what I saw from number eight for the Giants last night and Daniel Jones and put the weapons that he did not have out uh, aside, right? The fact that he did not have Shepard, he did not have Ingram, he did not have Wayne Goldman, he did not have Saquon Barkley, None of those guys played last night. He did have Golden Tate, who had a touchdown reception, well over 100 yards receiving, but he did not his full you know, complement of weapons. What I saw last night was neither encouraging or discouraging. Uh, you know, He threw for 164 yards. I, I think Daniel Jones has showed you that he could play in the National Football League. I think the question is just how good is Daniel Jones going to be? He's going to be the Giants franchise quarterback. They're not going anywhere. He's their guy. They're not going back to Eli Manning. He's they're going to grow, mature, and he hopes that, and they hope that he gets better and learns from these experiences, like last night and throwing three interceptions against the Patriots as they were disguising their coverage in the secondary and not maybe realizing what's going to happen and and making a you know errant throw, especially his third one was just a bad decision by Daniel Jones. But I don't come out of that game discouraged by Daniel Jones, nor do I. I heard some people you know making idiotic claims. Oh, Eli should have played last night. Oh, you should have stuck <laughs> Eli Manning in the game. Eli owns the Patriots. It should have been his swan song. That no, no. Then you know you're coming out with that. I, I call you basically. You know you're like a great a moron. I mean because the idea that you're saying that just to kind of stoke the fires or troll the NFL audience or troll the Giant fan. Number one. Number two is you know the Giants' game plan here is they understand they're going to play. They want to play competitive base, football. They do not want to be embarrassed. But they understand what this year is about. This year is about getting Daniel Jones as much experience as they can. So next year, there are no hiccups. That he's not got, that he's not seeing something for the first time. That he's learned from his mistakes. That he's learned from his errant throws and his bad decisions. He might be able to decipher what the Patriots are doing defensively. So he's not going to make that, you know, have a couple interception game. You know, all of those things. They want that to become, go back in the rearview mirror. So he's set to take off year number two. So, listen, Jones, there were positives to take away from last night. Showed remarkable toughness. I thought the throw to Golden Tate was absolutely fantastic. He made some other throws. He showed his athleticism, ability to break containment when the rush got to him. Made some bad decisions as well. But, Bogus, I don't come out of that game saying one way or Daniel Jones can't play or Daniel Jones is going to be a big-time player. Last night, I I think I got what I expected. Him to struggle, as most quarterbacks do, first yeah. time seeing a Belichick defense. Yeah, it's uh, they are 11-0 now, the Patriots, in that building against rookie quarterbacks. And they've won 19 straight games against first- or second-year quarterbacks. Um, the problem, though, for me, though, Moose, is... 
The Giants have created this situation now because they were so smug from the beginning of him being, what, four for four in his first preseason game. And then even after, I think it was the Washington game. Yeah, they're defensive. The official Giants, like, Twitter account put out this GIF gif of, like, somebody deleting tweets, like, everyone Correct. shut up yeah. now. So, like, they, when we've decided nothing, I mean, I agree with you that it's it's still only four games and a preseason. He does look like he's going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. But we have no idea whether he's going to be an elite quarterback, one capable of coupling with Saquon Barkley and maybe some young talent on defense and actually making this giant team capable of winning multiple playoff games, winning the NFC. We don't know that yet. No, that's so true. When the Gi- so, yeah, and, and I'm coming from this from a person that sat on draft night and went, why did they pick him? Now, I thought going into that draft that Dwayne Haskins was a better prospect than Daniel Jones. That appears to be, uh, at the very least right now, wrong, maybe right. terribly wrong. Right. Uh, well, so the Redskins know, chagrin. Exactly. Right. Um, so Daniel I, Snyder still believes. Yes. Though. So I, you know, I'm one of the people that the Giants are are kind of are clapping back at with all of this. Pat Shermer, you know, at the podium and, oh, yeah, and the social defensive. media tweets. So like I now last night when he's making mistakes, I don't I don't want to be vindictive back to them. I want to go. This is why you guys can't be like this. Like because now when he makes a mistake, some people's first reaction is like, "Ha ha! See, he does suck." Right. See, he does. You go, you guys were wrong, and and because they put themselves out there so strongly, and it's one thing to be confident in him; it's the attitude with which they've had then displayed that confidence that is the issue for me. When you've done that, you've now invited people. It's not exactly like Baker Mayfield, but it's kind of like that. When you put yourself out there and things don't go well, you're allowed to kind of get verbally punched back in the face. So they've given him less wiggle room in my mind. The way they've handled him playing well in those first two games. And now the last two have not been up to the same standard, but that's to be expected. But still, it's just they have not handled it right, and it leads to some people wanting to be a little snippier than they should be after a you know a game that's not great from him. Yeah, I mean, Bogus, I often don't say this, but that's a fantastic point. Oh, I mean, thank it really you. Is. I mean, and, and, and honestly, because I don't think the Giants did him any favors. No. I, I think the, the Giants, as much as he was getting booed at Yankee Stadium, the Giants weren't hitting social media. As people were criticizing him left and right, you know, he, they weren't hitting social media. And then the the smugness or the arrogance from Shermer and the Giants and really the defensive nature of an organization that doesn't need to be defensive. Uh, for, uh, for a giant franchise that, that is a proud one, that's done a lot of winning, I understand that as of late, but they do not need to have this idea of getting all aggressive in defending their young quarterback because their young quarterback, one of the reasons why they loved him was not only his athletic ability and his skill set and his ability to throw the football, they loved his demeanor. Right. Calm, cool, collected, where nothing affects him. Now, the Giants seem to be more affected by the criticism of Daniel Jones <laughs> yeah. than Daniel Jones is is being affected by the criticism of Daniel Jones, which is kind of funny when you think about it because Daniel Jones, when he was getting booed at Yankee Stadium, he's like, I get it. It didn't really seem to affect him one way or the other. Right. He seems to be the same calm, cool, collected kind of you know, you know, country guy that is going to take everything in stride and the Giants are going out there being super aggressive and defensive, but you are right in essence with the point that you made. If the Giants just laid low, yeah, people would not be going on Twitter saying Danny Nichols or Danny Pennies <laughs> right. instead of Danny Dimes. Yeah. They would not be doing that when he throws an interception or yelling out the Duke when he throws a pick to Gilmore. <laughs> I mean, they wouldn't be doing any of that. 
But the Giants brought this upon Daniel Jones, and I do think that, you know, as an organization, they wanted to defend themselves. They felt that they needed to defend themselves. They were being insulted left and right like they were a clueless laughingstock of an organization, but they're not helping the player because he's getting now unduly criticized where I think he can play. He can obviously, he's an obviously, he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. He can play in the National Football League. Just how good is he going to be? That remains to be seen. But he's going to have these kind of a game that you saw last night. And I think people would be probably a little bit more accepting of it if it was not for the Giants right. doing what they did. Right. He looked, I mean, in a, in a vacuum, he played better last night than I thought he was going to play because he didn't wet himself. He was Now, he made some bad decisions and the raw numbers of interceptions. There were a couple ones that probably should have been picked in there as well that might have, you know, that might have made things even worse last night. But, you know, he just, he looked like a guy in his fourth career start yeah. on a short week on the road in crappy weather against a really good defense. Yeah. And there were some nice throws. The, the throw to Tate, like you said, was a beauty. Um, the interception that was he had his arm hit and was picked off, to me, his arm getting hit is not an excuse because he held on the ball for way too long. He threw that, if, he, if he throws that ball a second sooner, no one's hitting his arm, and it's Correct. 10 feet out of bounds, and it's not an interception. So the mistake was holding on to it. He doesn't get relief from getting hit on the arm. So it wasn't perfect. It was okay. It was fine. And they were in this game, no matter how he played, they were within striking distance in the middle of the fourth quarter against a 5-0 and Patriot team. So that's just a plus in and of itself. But to our original point, like they've walked themselves into this spot now they where have. people are ready to pounce the second he doesn't play well. And now they got to lay low. And the other thing for the Giants is if you're Pat Shermer and you're down two scores and it's fourth and two, Ugh. seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter, do you, I understand you're at your own 35-yard. What are you doing, punt the ball? It's, it's amazing. I, had I this... mean, and then you defend it after the game saying that's, that's I thought, what we needed to do. If you're trying to win the game, you cannot – down two scores up in Foxborough at that stage, whether you lose by – Two, three, or four scores. If you're trying to win the game, you cannot punt the football there. I, I had this conversation during a, a football broadcast a couple of weekends ago. A similar situation. I don't, I don't remember the specifics, but a coach punted in the kind of the same way. And I, and I said, you know, this is it's such an oddity that, and it comes from coaches too who are far along, kind of on, in other areas in terms of analytics and just any you know a, a newer way of thinking. But coaches just don't want to get blown out, even though. The, there's no point differential. There's no goal differential like in soccer. It doesn't matter whether you lose by one or a hundred. Yeah. But they're so nervous of the final score being uglier than it should be that it leads to decisions like that. You know what? That, that's fair, Andrew. But last night, nobody thought the Giants would be close. Right. but So it's almost like you could put that mindset aside saying, wait a second, it, we've got nothing to lose here. I'm right. down 14. Everyone thought we were going to lose this game by 30. We're not down 30. Maybe I could... I should – the smart football players to go for it. I'm not telling you your rationale is wrong. It's not. But last night, it's almost like Pat Shermer was given the golden gift of being super aggressive because yeah. everyone said the Gi- with all the guys that they have out, even if those guys were in, nobody thought they were going to go up to Foxborough and win that game. But all those guys being out, the fact that that was just a two-score game with four, with about seven minutes to go in the fourth, that's the time to go yeah. for it. And, and I even – and I don't know if this is why he did it in the first half – now, I didn't think they were going to overturn it, but I didn't hate him challenging that catch, fumble, or incompletion. I didn't mind that either. Because I thought he was doing it for this same reason. Like, listen, we're in a, in a game where we're, we're playing from behind from the, from the get-go. We need a break. 
It's early. I'll burn a timeout. Let me just see if by accident we get this overturned and, and, we, get the, and we get the ball back. And it was close. I didn't think they were going to overturn, especially when I. you saw it a second time. But I thought he was being overly aggressive, which he should have been. And then he gets to this decision, and he backs away from it. Yeah, which to me makes little to no sense. All right, you got an update for us. What's going on, Bogus? And Moose, it is sponsored by Progressive Insurance. This year, Progressive celebrates seven years and over 700 cars given to veterans, giving thanks by providing independence for those who protected. Learn more at keystoprogress.com. Now, it wasn't exactly the Cardinals' first inning Wednesday in Atlanta, but with Garrett Cole on the mound, it felt like it last night in Houston. Breaking ball, and that's lined toward right center field, and that's headed for the gap and is going to the wall. Brantley scores. Altuve tearing around third. Altuve will score. Two-run double for Bregman. 3 nothing Astros in the first. Robert Ford on Astros Radio. Alex Bregman's two-run double, the biggest hit in Houston's four-run opening frame in Game 5 with the Rays. Cole did the rest. Eight innings, one run, two hits, two walks, ten more Ks. Michael Brantley and Jose Altuve went back-to-back in the eighth for the 6-1 final. The Astros in the ALCS for the third October in a row. We get a rematch of 2017, which went seven games. The Yankees coming to Houston game one tomorrow night. The NLCS begins this evening in St. Louis. The Cardinals starting Miles Michaelis. Annabelle Sanchez for the Nationals' first pitch is 8.08 Eastern. Now back to Thursday Night Football. The Patriots' offense somehow didn't score in the Giants deep into the first quarter last night. So special teams stepped up. Olszewski to the left inside the 35. Chest high. Stand oh, the punt, is blocked. punt is blocked. Score! Blocked it to Winovich who catches. Runs into the end zone. Yes. Touchdown! Patriots! Bob Sosi, Scott Zolak, Patriots Radio. New England also got a scoop and score from Kyle Van Noy to fight off Big Blue 35-14. Tom Brady picked off once. He lost a fumble, but he did score on two one-yard runs. Happy we won. Happy to get to 6-0. and we're happy for you, Tommy. Uh, yeah. The last time they were 6-0. Did he release his Instagram video yet? I don't know. That's a good question. I'm sure it'll be out later on today. Uh, last time they Full were 6-0 and was 2015. The Giants now 2-4. and They've lost two straight after winning Daniel Jones' first two starts. College football last night. Too. Before we get to that, here yeah. is Pat Shermer Smart. explaining Coming why off. he's punted 4th and 2. <laughs> Take a listen. 4th and 2, down 14. Why, why punt in that situation? Um, I felt like it was the right thing to do. Thank you, Coach. <laughs> Bogus. Take it away. All right. Uh, can't miss Syracuse losing 16-10 at North Carolina State last night. The Wolfpack had eight sacks in that victory. Uh, the NBA is now... Syracuse can- played well. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. Uh, the NBA is now... Can't can- run a two-minute drill if their life depended on Bill, by the way. Uh, now the NBA says, Moose, we cannot talk to the Lakers or the Nets before and after their final preseason game in China. That's tomorrow morning, our time. The league says this is their decision, not wanting to put the players in a tough spot discussing the current mood in China. The Chinese government requested no media for yesterday's game. I mean, game. this is a disaster. We'll get into it in a little bit here, but this is a nightmare for the NBA. I, well, why not just come home? Well, I agree with you at this stage. Why? I mean, it, you know, the Bori tweet, if... yeah. And then the initial reaction, which we got into a little bit earlier in the week by, you know, by Adam Silver, and then to have to come up and clean up that mess by the initial statement and presently, then to have to clean that up and, uh, and, and basically say, no, guys are free, uh, free to express themselves when there's been debate down in Houston of whether or not Daryl Moore is going to continue to have a job by Rockets ownership because the Rockets are the most popular team over China after drafting Yao Ming. I mean, it is an absolute nightmare for the NBA. It really is. And I, I don't, I'm not smart enough to know how you fix it, but I mean, I've, I've read now how 
teams are now planning for next year's salary cap to be different if they don't get all the money they're supposed to from China. They're having contingency plans for spending next year. Like, that's how deep and serious this this issue is. And like I said, I don't, I don't know how you fix it. I don't know how you make an entire country and government not angry. I don't think you angry. put the toothpaste back in the tube. I, mean, I don't. I mean, here's you want to do – if you really – if all right, if your goal is to pacify China – and to rectify it would be to fire Daryl Morey. Right, or have Daryl Morey, like, resign in some, some cheesy public press conference where he, you Well, know, what other way do you do it? I, I don't know, and that can't happen, so that's why I don't know how you well, fix right. it. Well, right, you can't fire him. I mean, if you're going to, number one, and if you're going to say guys are free to say what they want to say within reason, I mean, we're talking about in terms of, you know, give their political thoughts and, and whatever, if you're going to be accepting of that and bring about change and you have a guy that... You know, sends out a you know sends out a tweet in support of of everything that's going over in in Hong Kong. Then, I mean, the very fact is is that then he has to take it down. Well, then your business relationship, and we understand there are a lot of businesses, just as Apple. I mean, there are a lot of businesses that are linked to China that are making a lot of money, uh, right. you know, off that country. As is the NBA. Right. I mean, all, uh, everybody is. ESPN has put apparently dictated to their their on air personnel how to discuss this. I think they they even used. And again, I don't know enough about everything that's happening there, but they used a map uh, at some point, uh, uh, like a China's preferred map, as opposed to maybe the outside China preferred map and discussing the situation, which people are like, even this now, we're like, you know, you're you're kowtowing to China over showing over a graphic during your TV broadcast. So everybody is connected to this and everybody's walking on eggshells agreed i mean it's absolutely agreed i agree with you i think the i think the idea you know if they don't if they don't want to support the nba then the time is to get the hell out is right. to move on and bring the and bring the players home uh quickly the wnba last night crowned its champion it's the washington mystics an 89-78 win in their decisive Great game finals. 5 over the connecticut sun elena deladon 21 points and then said afterwards she has 3 herniated discs oh, in her back and played three games with that. Taz is off sick today. Moose back to you. There you go. Focus <laughs> well done. 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. The Astros advance. We'll get into a little Strohs and Rays and the brilliance of Garrett Cole. We'll get into that next. It's Taz and Moose. Focus is in the house. As he just mentioned, Taz out sick on this Friday morning. Don't fret, we got college picks. We've got NFL picks. Russell Baxter will join us top of the hour as well as we roll right along. Series and XM206, the app as well. All of our great affiliates across the country. You know where you're locked in. CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. This is Major League Baseball legend Mo Vaughn, and you're listening to Taz and Moose on CBS Sports Radio. All right. Yes, you certainly are. Time right now to ask the pros. Where you, the listener, get to ask us a question brought to you by our good friends at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Go to cbssportsradio.com slash askthepros. Submit your question. Be listening later on in the show. We might answer your question. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices, excellent customer service at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every single day. NLCS is set. Cardinals and Nats tonight uh, out in St. Louis. The ALCS is now set as well as decisively the Astros put away the Tampa Bay Rays last night down in Houston. 6-1 the final four-run first inning. 
That's really all Garrett Cole needed. Uh, as for 11th straight game, he gave you double-digit strikeouts. He finished with 10. I mean, he was downright dominant. Eight innings of brilliant work by what is going to be the Cy Young Award winner in the American League as he gets set to hit free agency this offseason. But that's uh, neither here nor there. Now the goal is to try and win another World Series and uh, you know uh, make it uh, two out of the last three years, right, as they try and uh, the Astros uh, do to try and win another fall classic. And Listen, the Rays gave him I, – I, he got more from Tampa Bay, Bogus, in this series than he ever expected. The fact that they were down two games to none going back home, the fact that they got the series back down to Houston, uh, it's a credit to them. Uh, you're concerned a little bit about that Stroh's offense. No concern last night, whether it be glassed out tipping pitches, as he did, because you could clearly see it when he was giving up those four runs in that top half, bottom half of the first inning – uh, he went back and watched the video after he's, you know, a curve and a fastball. The hitters were right on it, and he held it. It's the interesting thing. Like, you think when you're watching a game, when scouts watch a game, they're looking for things that are completely different. When teams are watching game, they're looking for things that are completely different. And um, But upon review, you could clearly tell or see how he was holding his glove when he was throwing a curve as compared to how he was holding his glove when he was holding a fa- when he was about to throw a fastball, and it's clear as day. I think they did a side by side. I think it was on ESPN or MLB Network, and I didn't pick up on it at the time watching the game. But going back, and he referenced the video after he got off the mound in the bottom half of the first inning, saying that was weird. Watch the video and realize what he did improperly. Astros were able to jump out on top of it, and once they got that four-run lead, uh, I think that was pretty much all she wrote. And a great job by Fox uh, with that those two back-to-back replays, um, the one that I saw live and it caught my eye when Bregman had scored the fourth run, he stops at Correa and he says something to Correa before he goes up to hit. I didn't know if it was, and they and right away they said, "Is it are they stealing signs? Is he tipping pitches? And then I'm watching him and I noticed he had a little kind of flick of his glove and then went into his motion. I thought maybe the flick was only happening on certain pitches, but then he did it on everything. So then, you know, then I'm trying to look and I didn't see it live, but the side by side picture of his hands held at his letter at his the letters of his jersey for one pitch and then halfway down his chest for another. Yeah. I mean and I don't know who saw it first in the Astro bullpen and um and then Kevin Cash said afterwards, listen, they still have to hit the ball. Even if they know it's coming, they gotta hit it, which That's is true. which is kind of true. Um but whoever whoever figured it out, kudos to them and then a good job by the actual batters to jump on it because the game was almost over at that point, assuming Cole was going to be Cole, and he was. And he was. And and we get the series now, Bogus, that we all wanted. I yeah. mean, it, you know, you wanted – and I think, you know, I wanted to see, even though I picked the Nats, you know, the, the Dodgers obviously were as brilliant as they were in the regular season. It's disappointing that they're not there in the National League Championship Series. Uh, but Nats and Cards should be fun, and St. Louis is a great baseball town, and Washington will be hopping – but we get Astros, Yankees, the two heavyweights, the two teams that were the best teams in the American League during the course of the regular season. Uh, we get them now for the American League Championship Series tomorrow night down in Houston. Um, and the Yankees have not named their starter yet. Um, it'll be Granky game one, Verlander game two, Goal, Cole game three back at Yankee Stadium in the Bronx on Tuesday night. That's the way the Strohs uh, starters are going to be set up for A.J. Hinch. And we get the battle of the heavyweights, which I'm really looking forward to because I think it has a chance to be an epic series. I, I've said this more than once, probably to you, Moose. Like, you know, Cinderella's a good story. Yes. But sometimes, you know, Cinderella gets to the end and then doesn't finish the job. Usually That's it true. doesn't. 
Like, I, I like one verse one. I like one verse two. I like the top four teams being in the final four. I, I, I like the heavyweights. And this is the only bad thing about this is it's not going to decide the whole thing. And obviously it can because they're both American League teams. But, you know, these are, these are, to me, the two most dangerous teams in baseball. And we should get a pretty epic series from them. Yeah, and, and, and two teams where you have the dominance and the brilliance of the starters for the Astros against really kind of the, you know, okay nature, get it done nature of the Yankees starting rotation where they can be brilliant at times, but the dominance of the back end of the bullpen. It'll be fascinating because Hinch wants to go as deep as he can with his starters, and the Yankees are trying to get into that bullpen as quickly as they can. Right. <laughs> so it's going to be fascinating. It's going to be fun. Hopefully we get, uh, and baseball needs it, certainly. Hopefully, nice, paced, quick, uh, entertaining no, baseball I wouldn't ask for quick. <laughs> Maybe I'm asking for too much. Uh, it's Taz of the Moose on a Friday morning. Uh, come on back. CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.